when they come into us, we have to put those pieces together and figure out, you know, which direction to head, which body system's the biggest player. Musculoskeletal issues are by far the most common. Respiration um, problems are probably the second most common, and you'll find the odd cardiovascular abnormality. Alright guys, welcome back to the Riding to Excellence podcast. Today we have Energy Coin Zone Dr. Kelter, Dr. Travis Kelter on the podcast to talk about everyone's probably least favorite topic, poor performance, which in and of itself is such a nebulous topic. The fact is that so many factors can lead to poor performance in the equine athlete. And today, Travis is going to walk us through many of those factors and what owners, as well as your veterinarian can do to get your equine back on track and back in the winner's circle. Hey, Dr. Kelter, how's it going today? I am wonderful. Thank you. Super excited to be on the podcast. I'm pretty nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fresh and also fun. Okay. All right, Trav, start us off. What does poor performance look like for the equine athlete? Um, I guess poor performance is one of those things that uh, can affect a lot of different body systems. And because it does that, it can have a lot of different manifestations, and usually to us, it uh, walks through the door with a disheartened or frustrated-looking client, and that's what performance looks like to us. But to the horse, it can uh, be related to musculoskeletal issues. It can be related to cardiovascular problems. It can be related to respiratory conditions. Those are probably your three major players, but can also be related to things like the gut. And um, usually what people don't want to hear is sometimes those are combinations of those things resulting in poor performance in their horse. So what are some common complaints that you guys hear as veterinarians regarding poor performance when someone comes in and their horse is just kind of sore or is not firing like they should be? What, what are you guys kind of hearing? Um, sometimes just that, that they're not firing, that they're off in a leg, that they're, um, there's a lack of willingness to either do what they're being asked or to move forward. Sometimes it's the... Um, a decrease in power if you're into more, you know, some of your speed sports. Sometimes there's a shortness of stride, a stiffness to the gait. Uh, you can have disunited gaits or um, poor transitions. Uh, a, horse's, a horse may have an inability to pick the correct lead. Um, maybe the quality of the gait has changed. Uh, they could be refusing a jump things like that in some of your race horses um, there might be poor recovery rate or maybe they puff out on the you know midway through the race or on a certain corner um, sometimes it's just performing below the expectations of the owner or the rider and sometimes it's very vague and just you know people can't pinpoint it but they just describe them as not being quite right totally and so you mentioned earlier that there are kind of the three main different body systems that are generally involved in poor performance separately or sometimes together. So walk us kind of through those body systems and what poor performance looks like within that. Yeah. So I'd say the biggest players, usually the musculoskeletal system, horses are designed in a certain way. Um, some aspects of them are very phenomenal. Some aspects are rather ill-designed. Um, and I guess 
when they come into us, we have to put those pieces together and figure out, you know, which direction to head, which body system's the biggest player. Musculoskeletal issues are by far the most common. Respiration um, problems are probably the second most common, and you'll find the odd cardiovascular abnormality, but as a primary cause, it's usually not a big deal in the horse, but when it is present, sometimes they're, they're bigger problems than the others, um, or ones that are, I guess, less fixable for lack of a better term. Uh, so what are some factors that can affect athletic performance? Um, So I guess we can break those body systems apart a little bit, but um, kind of the big players are often, um, if you think of, you know, what you need to move, what systems have to be in place and working at an optimal um, rate to deliver that performance. So we have to be able to breathe, we have to be able to pump the blood around the system, and we have to engage the muscles and the skeletal system Um, to move and there is a I guess a neurological component to that as well but um, we need to deliver oxygen to the muscles and that can depend on the size of the heart uh, the ability to exchange gas there's a role of the spleen because in the horse uh, red blood cells are stored in the spleen and can be stored in pretty good capacity and when there's times of higher demand like exercise the spleen can contract pump out those red blood cells so that we can um, deliver more oxygen to the tissues it depends on the blood volume that's in the horse um, and other muscle properties such as nutrition training genetics Um, There's the anaerobic capacity of the muscles, and again there, there's a genetic potential, there's the environment the horse is in, as well as the training that goes uh, into the horse to get them ready. And then from a biomechanical standpoint, um, we're looking at things like stride length, their stride frequency and conformation, and when we have alterations there, those might be your indicators, and you might be able to link those up with what people are complaining about or um you know that that off leg or that inability to to stride out or get the power get their bum under them and get the power that they need to whatever turn a barrel or um do what they need to do so um and looking at the horse i think it's pretty important to not just always address the problem looking at you in the face but once you have that under control to look at the horse from a holistic approach and um, all body systems working together because if one of those is out that's going to lead to poor performance in the horse so and then one thing that I think is worth mentioning that um, that I just see a bit in practice is the motivation of the animal and I think sometimes I I just there's a a better fit for a horse with a person and also maybe a horse with a sport and it's not always common but you see it enough where somebody comes in and says you know they just they didn't have the desire I thought let's try out this event or this sport they did really well and they want to do it with all their heart and sometimes it's simple as that so you know have we matched the horse to the discipline or are we just asking them to do something that may not be very um very much in their their drive to begin with so yeah i think that's an interesting point i think sometimes people chase the veterinary path when maybe the horse just doesn't totally want to do it as yeah. well and i mean and that the behavioral components of that can be hard to kind of tease apart at times but you know if 
if you've ruled out all the simple things and I was always taught kind of to keep it simple first so you know what are the big things that affect horses on on the daily and ulcers are one of them teeth are another um, some of these things go hand in hand so you know let's let's get the simple stuff out of the way maybe the cheaper stuff out of the way and then you know we start doing a deep dive (laughs) yeah and then if you're still having that problem well that's probably indicating to you that um there's something either um further underlying or we it might just boil down to let's try something else and see if the horse likes it Mm -hmm. if they don't well then maybe there is a a deeper seated problem if they do well maybe a change in discipline is what we need or again just reevaluating our expectations of that horse totally so let's delve into kind of the body systems we can start with cardiovascular which you already mentioned walk us through what poor performance looks like in that system sure so Again, not probably the most common reason for poor performance, or at least a primary reason for poor performance in the horse, but um, still something that needs to be considered, still something that needs to be ruled out. Um, A lot of that can be done with a basic physical examination. Sometimes we have to recruit um, more imaging techniques and and diagnostics, but horses have a huge um, cardiovascular capacity That's determined by what's called the cardiac output or the volume of blood that the heart is pumping out per unit of time. And the cardiac output is determined by both the heart rate of the horse, so how many beats a minute are we having, and also what's called the stroke volume or the volume of blood that's pumped from the left side of the heart um, per beat. So those are all things that are going to contribute to... um, possible reasons for poor performance that we have to consider. Um, Horses have a high maximum heart rate, but unlike the human that can um, increase that with training, they kind of top out. So that's a bit of a a difference between us and them. And then the stroke volume that we were talking about, so that volume of blood pumped from the left side uh, per beat, um, that's determined by the actual size of the heart, and we can increase that with exercise. So... Um, So when it comes to cardiovascular, if someone presents with some of those issues, some of them can be remedied by better fitness. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, again, we're getting into the expectation idea with owners. So, you know, are we just asking them to go out there and do their job or are we prepping them to do it? And in human athletes, you ask, they train and train and train and train, and then they go to their event and their big, you know, their big sporting competition, and they try to deliver. Where I think sometimes we don't treat the horse like that, and then we just think we can hop on and ride and then go do what we want them to, and then they don't perform because they're unfit. And then we get frustrated because they haven't done what we've wanted, but we've set them up for failure. So, something in this practice that we talk about to owners a lot about is do you get fit to play your sport or do you do your sport to stay fit and you know I guess there's not a wrong way about that either one of those mentalities but it will affect your expectations of the horse so if you are doing your sport to stay fit well then you might be disappointed Mm -hmm. where if you're getting that horse fit to properly do the sport then I think it's more fair to expect 
more out of them because you've been putting in the legwork and the time beforehand and you're you're trying to get to a certain level so um, and when we look at I guess cardiac parameters you know there are certain limitations that we can um, can't do much about and then there's other factors that we can really push with training and um, expand you know the ability of the horse from a cardiovascular standpoint but um, yeah I hope that answers that <laughs> so you just touched quite a bit on fitness of the horse so what are some training adaptions when it comes to the cardiac system in mind when it comes to horses fitness yeah so things that we can affect in the horse with uh, with training are we can potentially increase the heart mass and the left ventricular chamber size so the left ventricle is the main chamber of the heart that forces blood out and into the rest of the body so if we can increase the um, size of the musculature there and the ability to um, the strength of the contraction to get that um, that blood out then we might have an effect on their performance in a positive way there we can increase the stroke volume um, with training there's also um, the capillary or the small vessels um, within the heart or within tissues as you train them um, then they actually become more dense so basically you're delivering more blood flow if we deliver more blood there's more oxygen delivery there's more nutrient delivery to those muscles that are in demand at time of exercise that's a way that we can affect that um, and then again if you know we do work on that to develop those denser capillary beds and and deliver all that blood then they they don't tire they might not tie up as easily you know things like that that um, are a cause of a problem for the rider um, and then the other thing is we might have increased thermoregulation or ability to regulate our heat um, which is important for tolerating high levels of exercise in the horse so what are some conditions that can affect the cardiac system so when we do a physical exam um, and listen to the heart things that we're typically listening for are murmurs and arrhythmias and so and arrhythmia is an irregular heartbeat. Something is not quite beating in the same pattern or rate as normal. Um, some of those things are not a problem in the horse and are actually quite normal, uh, whereas in other animals they're not considered a normal thing. Um, and then the other thing is murmurs, and that just means that there's altered blood flow. So something is turbulent in there for whatever reason. So arrhythmias are probably the most common thing that I hear. Some are considered normal, one of which is called a second degree AV block. So basically the horse has a very efficient heart. And sometimes they're like, I don't need that beat. <laughs> or I can slow it down a little bit because I'm that good at what Nature's I do. Nature's DJ. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so basically, um, it's a second degree AV block is um, just slower um, transmission of the, the neural signal through the heart that causes the contraction. Um, and there's you can get to a third degree AV block, and you know that's when we're maybe getting a little bit more nervous if we hear those types of things, but it's not uncommon for very fit horses to have um, 
an AV block, or which is technically considered an arrhythmia. So again, not every arrhythmia is a cause for alarm, but there are some that can result in exercise intolerance and poor recovery rates. Um, murmurs can reflect the hemodynamic status of the horse, or it can also be reflected with how hydrated the horse is. It can be um, caused from disease processes. Sometimes when you get um, bacterial infections in the, the valves of the heart, that can lead to murmurs, or again, something is unhealthy, not working the way it should, and then the blood flow is not smooth and normal like it should be. That's what a murmur is. Those are the most common things that we hear um, when we're listening to the heart, and it's important to listen to both sides because you can have um, murmurs that are heard on one side and not the other, and some of them, again, are more menacing than others, where some we don't make a big deal about. Mm -hmm. And then there's different grades of murmurs too. Some progress and get worse. Some stay where they're at for a very, very long time and cause no concern for the horse. Some of these horses with arrhythmias or murmurs can also go on to be very successful performance horses. Yeah, so not necessarily yeah. an ending, yeah. ending condition. Yeah, it always scares people when they hear, oh, there's something weird with the heart in your horse. But again, I think that's where it's just talk to your vet, ask the questions you need to ask, and you know, come to a decision if this is something that is going to affect the performance of the horse, if it's going to affect the safety of your riding, um, and usually it doesn't. And so then moving on to the respiratory, did I say mm -hmm. that right? Yep. <laughs> system. Let's talk about that system in uh, with poor performance in mind. Mm -hmm. So this is actually a very important one because it's often a limiting factor in normal horses. Um, and that's because a little bit of how the horse is designed and then you can have disorders of the respiratory system that compound the, the maybe poor conformation of the horse in general. Things that we have to consider environmentally that affect the respiratory system are things like dust, haze, allergens, smoke, um, especially during you know the summer seasons here, and um, other irritants that may be in the air. So why, I guess, is respiration a limiting factor for the horse? And there's a bunch of different reasons why, but they have a lot of muscles, a lot of big muscles, that demand a huge um, oxygen oxygen supply. So you have just increased demand, pure and simple. Then the first thing that has to happen for the horse to breathe is the air has to get into the nose and horses have a nice long schnoz on them <laughs> that is quite got some narrow passages before it gets to the big open lung so you're trying to get a bunch of air in a narrow space right off the get-go so another thing is horses have big nasal sinuses and then they've got a big long windpipe or trachea which creates a lot of dead space because there's no actual oxygen exchange there it's not until again that air gets to the bottom part or to the the deeper parts of the lung or the alveoli where they um start to participate in gas exchange so but before it can get there it has to move down this tract the horse can only breathe through the nose it cannot breathe through their mouth um, so they are an obligate nasal breather which limits them a little bit there 
they have a rapid capillary transit time within the lungs. So again, those small vessels in the lungs, you're shooting blood through them at a very fast rate. So the faster you shoot the red blood cells through those areas, the less time they have to make contact with the surfaces of those vessels and exchange gas. So, um, and then another interesting thing with the horse is you have what's called locomotion respiratory coupling. So at certain gates, because you have so much abdominal organs and the diaphragm is a, the main muscle of respiration that when the, when the guts kind of fly back in the horse, then it sometimes helps draw the diaphragm because they sit very close to each other. It helps draw the diaphragm back and inflate the lungs faster and then similarly when the foot hits the ground and the um, abdominal organs press up against the diaphragm it's just extra force to help force air out so certain gates are more efficient for this than others the canter or the faster gates are sometimes a bit more efficient and they have more of a one-to-one ratio where um, other gates like the trot, um, you know, you can go into a one to two or a one to three ratio. And I guess kind of what I mean by that is how many, you know, stride, how, how many times is the foot hitting the ground per um, inspiration, expiration cycle. So basically how, how, many, how many times does the foot hit the ground per time they breathe? Mm-hmm. So the faster you go, sometimes we have more efficient coupling. Sometimes the slower we go, we have less efficient coupling. So all those things kind of together are why are things that can limit the respiration in the horse. And um, a couple other thoughts, I guess, are there's a critical level of ventilation. So you can increase or increases in oxygen supply are going to be consumed by the respiratory muscles. Um, in the work of breathing harder and faster so there is kind of this threshold level where you know you can you can increase your respiration rate but at some point you're going to just be supplying the muscles that you're trying to use to actually breathe mm-hmm. instead of do any good for the rest of your your body so what are some conditions that we see in that system um quite a few uh conditions we see commonly so uh and all of these kind of reduce the ability to deliver oxygen and participate in gas exchange, but a lot of people have heard of obstructive tr- type diseases, so basically something is in the way of the air trying to get in. Um, the common presentations for this is they hear some abnormal noise when they are working their horse. So the two big players I'd say are your roarers or your laryngeal hemiplegia. So basically (laughs) um, there's a a nerve that runs down either side of the neck. The left is usually the more um, commonly affected one, but these have input to, um, some people call them flappers or your um, arytenoid cartilages and Usually the left one is to some degree um, paralyzed or can't move as efficiently as it should. And therefore, instead of getting out of the way when we need to take a big breath in, it kind of flaps around in there and causes them to quote unquote roar. So the other big one is dorsal displacement of the soft palate. And that's when basically your soft palate flips up into a position that it shouldn't be in. And... um, 
it causes them to not be able to breathe. <laughs> so those, those are probably your two most common diseases that we see. And then moving down the tract into the lower respiratory system, um, things that you may uh, see there are slow recovery post-workout. And what people usually complain about is a cough. And those are usually related to things like exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage or your bleeders. Um, and then there's a whole kind of spectrum of diseases that get labeled as um, recurrent airway obstruction or RAO, inflammatory airway disease or IID. These are your heaves type horses and other things. So there's a bit of a spectrum there, but that's what we're talking about when we say lower respiratory tract. Upper respiratory tract, more your roars and your dorsal displacement of your soft palates. Lower respiratory are these other conditions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Pretty heavy stuff. It is a little bit. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Literally, they're made so that they can't get all that air in, and then you're throwing diseases on top of it. Exactly. It's and this is why we, ridiculous. why we have to consider more than one system at the you know at the same time. So, um, they might have a must. It's it's sometimes hard to find and sometimes hard to keep a sound horse, particularly when we're asking them to do, you know, big grand movements or run really fast and when they're getting up to these higher levels of competition. So, you know, they often have those musculoskeletal problems, but, you know, then if you're in sports like a barrel racer, well, you've probably got at least one bung leg and, you know, you're a bleeder too. So (laughs) I'm not uh, shedding a whole lot of hope on people today, I don't think, but um, you know what, we can fix these things is, or we can manage these things. And um, I don't think we always need to be disheartened by them. We just need to be realistic with what's going on with our horse. Yeah, so moving into our third system, which I think is probably the heaviest of the yes. three, is the, this is the hardest word for me ever, musculoskeletal system. <laughs> it's a big one. Nailed it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say this is the top reason for poor performance in the horse, something that we look at daily and is consumes most of our day here at our practice. Um, so the trainer or the rider's inability sometimes to detect a lameness does not exclude it as a problem and because like I said we do this all day we're gonna see and feel things that you probably don't know are there and we're not trying to be mean to your horse or judgmental of you it's just we're gonna be as picky or not picky as you want or that translates into how many problems do you want to hear about so um just because the rider or the trainer might not notice something um, doesn't mean that the horse doesn't have a musculoskeletal problem or a lameness. Um, absence of an obvious lameness also does not exclude a problem um, when ridden, and several problems may coexist again within just this system. Um, combinations of musculoskeletal issues again can overlap with medical conditions and some of the most common ones that we probably see here are equine gastric ulcer syndrome um, or or stomach ulcers, uh, inflammatory airway disease, and uh, I guess lower grade exercise induced pulmonary hemorrhage or your bleeders. So um, the horse I guess has a very energy efficient gait there's elastic storage of energy in the um, musculotendinous units and this decreases the amount of work that muscles need to do and 
uh, effectively basically half the work at the gallop. So again, this is why I find the horse so intriguing is that although they're, you know, 500 plus kilos on these little peg legs, which I don't think is the best design, the leg itself is actually very efficient. So, um, but then the strain on the tendons and the ligaments that are stored with the energy um, that's released when the limbs lifted from the ground, um, most of that energy is retained, but some is lost as heat. Um, and again, the result is this super efficient gait. So, but because of the demands placed on that leg, we see a lot of problems um, in various places, and this can be breed and also both um, sport dependent. So, so what kind of conditions are we seeing in this system? Um, usually, usually a big old lameness, <laughs> a limping horse, <laughs> yeah. or again those going back to all those comments that you hear, a loss of power. Um, not striding out properly, won't pick up a lead, won't keep a lead, um, disunited gates, all, all those kinds of things might be indicating a musculoskeletal problem. Head nods, mm-hmm. hip hikes, those are the things that get talked a, a lot about when you're watching the horse move. Um, again, problems on the circles. Sometimes when the horse has to lean into that effective leg or affected leg on the circle, that's when people are noticing things. That's why riders often talk to you about, you know, I notice this to the left or I notice this to the right. And so um, those are probably um, the most common complaints. And then um, we come in and we do both a dynamic and a, a static exam. So what does the horse look and feel like standing? What does the horse look and feel like while they're moving? And then basically that often leads to some diagnostics or some imaging. And then we try to pinpoint where your problem is with the aid of usually nerve blocks um, and local or local anesthesia to basically make them become sound at the level um, of the leg that they're painful in. So we covered three pretty major systems mm-hmm. and reasons for poor performance today. So let's do a quick overview of when we look at training. What are some inadequate adap- adaptions that horses have that can cause poor performance when they're in training? Um, so I guess just an overall lack of fitness, you know, again, we're getting, we're getting back. Same as humans. Yeah. Getting (laughs) back to this idea of, you know, what, what's coming first? Is it playing the sport to get fit or getting fit to play your sport? So, um, training adaptations, can we improve the capillarization or again, those small vessels throughout the musculature so that we can deliver more blood and nutrient to the muscles that need it when we're asking them to do what they need to do. Um, there's the oxidative capacity and ability to store and use substrates. And so what I mean by that is, um, increasing the oxygen transport capacity and increasing the mitochondrial content and those are the little bits of the cell that help produce the energy Um, and then changing the fiber type and composition of the muscles so there's different fiber types that we need for fast sports different fiber types that we need for slower more um, longer duration um, kind of events so um, and then we can improve our muscle adaptation to these things and increase the cardiac output and stroke volume of the heart. Um, altogether, 
you want, you know, you need to work on all those types of factors um, to get you to where I think you want to be. Again, looking at the horse holistically. Mm-hmm. So to wrap it up, I mean, this is a veterinary podcast. So if someone is seeing something weird, strange, or something that is leading to poor performance in their horse, I'm assuming your recommendation would be just to bring them in and try to get try to get it figured out. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, if somebody's, this is what we're here for. If somebody is worried about a problem, they should come in and see it. The, mm-hmm. I think the thing that we sometimes undervalue <laughs> is how much our hands do. And it's hard to talk to people on the phone and discuss a problem that you know you can't lay your hands on an animal because when i do an examination i guess there's a component of what my eyes are doing a component of what my hands are doing and then um a component of what our nerve blocks and our imaging tell us and i try to match all those things up lead us down the most harmonious explanation so that i can you know develop a treatment plan to get your horse back on track but I find a lot of people, they they want to try to get as much out of you over the phone, which is not a bad thing. It's just we get into this problem where your horse just needs to be seen. Mm-hmm. So I always recommend a soundness examination. I recommend a soundness rec- uh, examination on just kind of an annual basis, not because we're looking for a problem, but to see if, you know, you're spending or a lot of our clients are spending a pretty penny on maintenance products and um and and trying to keep their horse good all year round well then perform a a soundness examination to see if you're you're holding there and your money's doing what it's supposed to be doing so and again just to get on top of little problems that might be starting to lurk instead of waiting till you blow the horse apart or have a major injury on your hands that requires a lot more time, a lot more management, a lot more money to fix. So, you know, if we can catch these things early, tweak them early, then we might set you up better performance-wise. We will set your horse up better from a performance standpoint as well as probably just a quality of life standpoint. You're going to eliminate a lot of your frustrations and probably a lot of our frustrations as well as trying to figure out, you know, what the cause of the poor performance is and how, you know, in-depth we need to get with this. So... Um, and the one other thing I'd say too is um, sometimes you see people go the other way um, over training. Mm-hmm. So, you know, real, give your horse a rest too and uh, realize that there, there's a balance to achieve there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, Dr. Kelter, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Do you have anything else to add on this hefty topic of poor performance? Uh, no, I just hope I didn't bore you all to death. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're still listening to yeah. it, they were into it. Yeah, okay. If they Hopefully were bored, they're already gone. Yeah. yeah. This is where you win a million dollars. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's how we can clickbait them into listening to the exactly. end. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. As always, we appreciate it. If you liked this podcast, if you have certain topics that you'd like our veterinarians to cover, as always you can send us a message on instagram or facebook at energy equine or you can shoot us an email at eeoffice at energyequine.ca we will talk to you guys later